Welcome to your new day. This is Early Breakfast with Africa Milani. At nine minutes past five, this is what you need to know this Thursday. We start with that protest action where the Public Service Coordinating Bargaining Council has asked the uh, various members and the unions to please return to the collective bargaining table and to engage in a facilitated process to resolve the issues. The facilitation is proposed to take place uh, starting today and hopefully we will see a resolution uh, to what has been very disruptive and at times violent protests from members of Nehawo. Keeping it matters protest, but education this time. Protests throughout institutions of higher learning are spurred on by national issues and not institution-specific issues, and students have valid reasons to object. This was the consensus of a briefing by the Department of Higher Education, University of South Africa, and South African Public Colleges Organization to the National Assembly yesterday. Despite this, the Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, um, Minister uh, Buti Manamela, said that the department was concerned about the violent nature of some of those protests. The virtual meeting heard about students in the Western Cape assaulting educators and students in KwaZulu-Natal committing acts of arson. We turn to Africa now, where the number of pregnant and breastfeeding women suffering from acute malnutrition has soared by 25% across 12 countries on the continent, as well as in Asia since 2020. That's according to the latest UNICEF report. In that report, UNICEF said that the number of malnourished mothers increased from 5.5 million to 6.9 million over the last two years in countries hardest hit by a global nutrition crisis exacerbated by the war in Ukraine the drought, conflict and instability. In matters healthcare, COVID-19 may not have taken us, may not have taken rather, as great a toll on the mental health of most people as earlier research had indicated. The pandemic resulted in minimal changes in mental health symptoms among the general population. That's according to a review of 137 studies from around the world, led by the researchers at McGill University in Canada and published in the British Medical Journal. Brett Tomes, a psychiatrist professor at McGill University and senior author, said some of the public narrative around the mental health impacts of COVID-19 were based on poor quality studies and anecdotes, which became self-fulfilling prophecies, adding that there was a need for more rigorous science. Wake up. It's your early breakfast with Africa Milani. Uh, let's look at the legal issues around the uh, Nehau strike that started earlier in the week. And to help us uh, with that is Patrick, De- uh, Patrick Deal, uh, labor law expert. Patrick, a very good morning and welcome to the show. Morning, Africa. It's nice to talk to you. Uh, Before we go to the actions by the various Nahau members outside health facilities, particularly uh, that have endangered the lives of South Africa, let's talk about the strike itself. Um, The Labour Court on Saturday, is my understanding, um, handed down an interdict against the strike uh, by Nehau. On Sunday, Nehau decided to apply for leave to appeal, and that process is still in the courts. Nehau then believes that their application for uh, leave to appeal allows them to proceed with the strike as they started on Monday. I should note also on Tuesday, Labour Court issuing a directive for the immediate implementation of the interdict, which Nehau also disputes. 
Is the strike therefore allowed to continue? No, it's not, because it's under the supervision of the court. And even though it's subject to appeal, that doesn't suspend it. And particularly in these situations where the, you know, both parts of the application have been brought in on an urgent basis because the situation is urgent. And when we were talking about urgency, it's urgent because unless it's implemented immediately, irreparable harm can be caused. And in fact, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing irreparable harm, which is the very thing that the interdict um, against the strike, but also particularly against the the intimidation of um, non-strikers, which is being which is causing this this um, mayhem that's going on, and also the damage to property and the consequential damages to um, stopping emergency services from or essential services from operating, people dying and the vulnerable people being particularly exposed to danger. That is the very purpose of the strike. And so for so long as the interdict stand, um, and for so long as uh, it it is implemented and it is in force and legally legally binding and enforceable, and if the manner in which this is being conducted continues, the union and its members can be held liable. What avenues then are available to government in this case? Because it is a, a strike for public health uh, workers. I mean, public sector workers. It's not just uh, healthcare professionals, but a number of uh, government officers have seen protests across the country. What avenues are available to them to effectively implement the interdict that was um, um, handed down in their favour? Well, the one thing is to well, they've 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 covered the legal aspect. In other words, the labour law aspect of it. The other legal aspect is to invoke the criminal law, and the criminal law has got to do with uh, obviously breaking the law, committing crimes, uh, assaulting ambulance drivers, and uh, you know causing problem causing. Uh, blockages to the people who want to work and causing the consequential damages. And those are potentially all crimes. And actually, the police could go and arrest people for committing those crimes. So that's another thing that they could do. Um, the the other thing is, is a more practical one. Uh, and uh, that is to try and bring some sanity upon the unions itself, Nohawa itself, um, and its holding body, Kosatu, to intervene, to uh, prevail upon their members to stop this, to send the correct message out that this kind of behavior is absolutely unacceptable. The other method that they could use in labor law is to get the, um, the bargaining council or perhaps even the CCMA to intervene as the CCMA is entitled to intervene, or it may itself intervene to try and restore peace and order to the strike. So there's a a variety of, of, of legal avenues. But Africa, the more practical thing is to look at this thing on, on the ground, how difficult it is to manage it. I mean, I think the state's got sort of two or 400 odd hospitals and these incidents are happening at a variety of hospitals around the country. So it requires um, you know, on the ground management and ring fencing uh, the each of these facilities in some way to 
keep a, a respectable distance away from exits uh, and entrances to these hospitals to physically present, prevent people from uh, coming into the hospitals to, to make these, to create these disturbances, and if they break the line, to arrest them. I mean, mm. really, that's the only practical thing that can be done. Literally 20 minutes ago, just uh, over that, I took a call from Nadia, who uh, had been turned away from the Helen Joseph Hospital. Uh, she was taking her, her child, who has type 1 diabetes, for uh, their treatment and was turned away uh, from accessing the hospital by, uh, and she says, um, by the protesting um presumably members of Nehau, uh, as opposed to, I suppose, security or uh, law enforcement officials. I should also know that Kosatu issuing a statement yesterday calling for a peaceful and unlawful public uh, service strike, uh, for a lawful public service strike, saying that they're urging members and workers to remember that a strike is not, is an act rather in defense of working class interests, and it must not result in working class communities who use these public facilities becoming the unintended casualties of it. Let me ask this then as a parting question, Patrick. Um, can the unions, as well as the Federation, COSATO, be held uh, both criminally, I suppose, but also uh, from a financial cost point of view, liable for the destruction and the mayhem that we're reporting as a result of what reportedly is an illegal strike? Most certainly they can. Um, in this case, more more than Kasantu, uh, you know, just because Kasantu has visibly distanced itself from it and condemned this kind of behaviour as it properly should, but Nahawu, um may have made mention of uh, condemning it and so on. But yes, they can be held liable, and also any employee, any of their members who are observed doing these things can be also be held liable. So Nahawu can be jointly and severally liable for the damage and be fined. And in these circumstances, given what has been happening here, potentially that fine could be horrendous. It could cripple the union, quite frankly. It could put it, put it out of business. Because how do you put a, a price on a life um, that uh, they could be liable for? And they could be liable for it if they interfere with essential services um, and cause people's death, um, you know, how much is a life worth? And uh, that's the value of that would be put into a fine to Nahawu. There could be an existential threat to Nahawu if it carried on in this manner. And uh, it's, it, it should be on high alert that um, really its future could be really uh, at risk because of this. Patrick, thank you very much indeed for your insights. Patrick Deal, uh, labor law expert um, with Deal Attorneys, joining us on the line, uh, reflecting, of course, on the legalities around the continuing protest action by Nahau. 702 podcasts are on 702.co.za.